0: Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church sermon podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Amen, amen. All right, well, we're going to be back in... 1 Samuel chapter 17 today, turn over to your Bibles or find on your phone, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Today we are going to continue in this series, taking on your Goliath. And not only are we looking at this from the perspective that we all face tremendous Goliaths, giants in our lives that, that come at us, that challenge us. They're relentless. Just like Goliath who stood in the valley of Elah and he, he cried out to the army of Saul Israel and Israel and challenged them on a, on a daily basis. Uh, send your best man. Send your best man. Send your best man and I will fight him. If he kills me, we, the Philistines, will serve you if he kills me. But if I kill him... Then you will become our servants. The Goliath, the giant, stands in the valley of Elah. He is relentless. He did this for 40 days, coming out and taunting and jeering and beckoning. Send your best man, send your best man. Our Goliaths, our giants, are unrelentless. They never take a day off. Some of your biggest challenges in your life today... Or things that might even seem to haunt you. You can't get away from them. You think about them all the time. It's the biggest challenge that you have in your life that seems to consume you. Just when you think you're getting a leg up. And just when you think you're you're, you're getting free from some things in your life. The next thing you know, your giant, your Goliath comes back at you. And taunts you. And is begging you to send your best. Send your best. And we learned that the word Goliath, the name Goliath does not mean giant. It does not mean mighty one or even great warrior. The name Goliath simply means to to reveal or to unveil. And so what our giants and our Goliaths do in our lives is they reveal our weakness. And I'm going to submit this to you today. Are you ready? I believe that where our Goliaths attack us the most... Or in the areas of our lives where we have not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I believe that the areas of our lives where our giants, where our Goliaths attack us the most. Or in the areas of weakness and vulnerability. Because it's an area of our life that we have not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When you submit areas of your life to the lordship of Jesus, then you can rest in his sovereignty, you can rest in his grace, you can rest in his all-sufficiency, and there is no power of hell. There is no force of man that can come against the peace and the rest that Jesus Christ gives. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 today, We are going to go further into this text because this is also an expositional study in 1 Samuel chapter 17. We are looking at the historical event of David, a young shepherd boy who finds himself just going out to war because his father Jesse sends him. He had been taking care of some sheep. His older brothers were out there getting ready to to go into battle. And they were literally at this point in time... On the battle line, the armies of the Philistines are on one side of the valley of Elah. The army of Saul and the Israelites are on the other side. The challenge of Goliath is what is called a one-to-one combat. And back in the ancient world, if you could imagine, the battles that would ensue were so vicious and so bloody and so gory that a one-on-one challenge was almost like an act of mercy because you could just send two guys out and they were representatives of their respective armies, and they would fight it out. And then the winner would be declared and they could bypass all of the bloodshed. I mean, for some of you folks who are familiar with the Civil War days and how bloody and gory and how vicious and crude those battles must have been, you can only imagine what it would have been like. In David's day. In the day of Saul. So they stand each side. They're kind of gridlocked. And nobody is making progress. Other than Goliath coming out to issue the challenge. David just wants to go out. He's following his father's orders. He's going to take his brothers some encouragement. Over the last couple of weeks. We've talked about understanding the nature. Of your Goliath. And we looked at the size of Goliath. and, And what he brought to the battle. We've talked about. You know, the unlikely hero, the unlikely hero that David would be. And by the way, by the way, by the way, by the way, by the way. There's only one person through which God can fight your battle. And it's you. And I said that very specifically because I want you to understand what's going to happen here. There's only one person God can fight your battle through. And it's you. If you're looking for somebody else to take it on, if you're looking for somebody to bail you out, that person's not going to be there. Your Goliath is your Goliath. It's your Goliath because it's your Goliath. And the one that God wants to work his power through and take it on your Goliath is you. But before we get to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 20, I just want to say a very, very heartfelt thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been quite a week. Uh, for me and for my family. For those who have known me. That I've pastored here for almost 20 years. One of the biggest and greatest influences. Of my life. Is my grandfather. My grandfather. And this week. God gave me the tremendous blessing. To be with him. And to be by his bedside. When he breathed his last here, and he breathed his first there. He went peacefully. We prayed for no pain. Friday was a very difficult day because uh, we were just getting back from a trip, Brady and I. We were just getting back, and, and I'm sorry, Monday was a very difficult day because I was just coming to terms with what was happening in his life. He was in critical condition, the hospital Thankfully, on Tuesday, we were able to take him to the hospice house there in Murray. And just a very comfortable, wonderful place. Very homey and restful. And sometime around Monday night at the hospital still, I was really struggling. You know, I was just really struggling because I I just wasn't ready. Grandfather was 96 years old when he passed. And I promise you... If anyone could squeeze out of 96 years, what could be squeezed out of 96 years, God did it through this man. Remarkable example. I I, I gave up years ago when trying to fill the shoes. I knew it never happened. But we were in the hospital room, and I was really having a hard time. My nephew, Matt, grabbed my hand, and he grabbed my grandfather's hand at the same time. And he looked at me, my nephew, and said, Be happy for him. Be happy for him. And in that moment of hearing those words, God began to bring a tremendous perspective into my life. That he wasn't quitting his race. He was finishing his race. And God just brought a peace. And so when Tuesday afternoon rolled around and we were with him and he breathed his last breath, and I could tell you so much more. I could tell you so much more. But when he breathed his last on Tuesday. God immediately brought into this, this perspective into my heart. I'm happy for him. I would not wish him back for nothing. To have to go through in those last days in the past year. What he had to go through. A life well lived. And today at 2 o'clock. I will have the tremendous honor and blessing of officiating My grandfather, William B. Bill Miller's service. And y'all pray for us today at 2 o'clock. I promise you, it's going to be the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But it's one of the greatest honors I will ever get to be a part of in my life as well. So I thank you all for your love and your support this past week. It's just meant uh, so much to us. Just so, so much. And uh, uh, we're just going to keep trusting the Lord as we move forward. First Samuel chapter 17. So David arose early in the morning and left the flock with a keeper and took the supplies and went as his father Jesse commanded him. He came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array shouting the war cry. And so I would imagine at this point in time it seems like the uh, Saul's army and the army of the Israelites, are they're, they're ready to go into battle. And I would imagine for perhaps every day that they were out there on the opposite sides of the Valley of Elah, that they would go out and they would think to themselves, is, the day, is today the day? Is, the, is this going to be the day that we will have to go uh, full out into, into this war, into this battle? And there it's where... David finds his brothers on the front line. The Israelites and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. Then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. Young David, just a shepherd boy, a youth at this time, showing up on the battlefield just to take him some food, some, take him some encouragement. And his brother Jesse said, And and please send back word to me. Send back word to me as to how my boys are doing. He was walking or talking with them in verse 23. I'm sorry. When I cry, my nose just runs. It's the first thing that goes. I I mean, I'm sorry. (sighs) I get that from Phyllis Likens. Gee. For years, Phyllis would say, G. And I've picked that up from her. You've been a great influence, Phyllis. I love you. But yeah, G. I just, I do. I get that from Phyllis. Let me find it, see if I got another Kleenex. You know you say that, Phyllis. She says G all the time. i say, like, G. G. Okay. I'm good right here. Yeah, I'm good. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So David leaves his baggage to the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers and he was talking with him with his brothers and behold the champion the great champion the philistine from gath named goliath was coming up from the army of the philistines and he spoke these same words what were the words that he'd been speaking he'd been saying bring out your best bring out your best bring out your best bring out your best send your best man to fight me if he kills me we will serve you. But if I kill him, then y'all will serve us. David hears these words. He takes them in from what we know the very first time he hears these words. David hears them, and when all the men of Israel saw the man, what did they do? They fled. What we typically do when faced with our Goliath or faced with our giant or our, our greatest fear, we want to tend to run away from it. Just like a kid, when you were playing as a kid, and. Your parents might come along and say, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And then the next thing you know, you're running across the house. Last night at the funeral home, my little my cousin's little girl was saying, come get me, come get me, come get me. And she'd want me to chase her. And I'd come at her Ay! and she'd scream and then she'd come after me. You know how it is. It brings out the fear. You're your greatest, your life, your challenge, your giant brings out fear in your life. And so what happens is the men of Israel, they They fled from him. They run away. They're greatly afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he's coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? What will be done? What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? He wants to hear again the words that they shared that whoever can kill him, the king will give him great riches and will give him his daughter and Make his father's house free in Israel. And From right there, we want to stop for just a second. Because as David takes in these words for the first time, as he's talking with the men on the battlefield, and perhaps his own brothers, and he's hearing what's been said, and he's heard what the Goliath has been, said, been saying. David is taking this information in, and immediately it goes into his heart, it goes into his mind, and naturally things are going to be filtered through the perspective of David. And that's what we really want to talk about today. We want to talk about the power of perspective. But the reality is that it's more than the power of perspective that will help you to take on your Goliath. Sometimes you think, well, if I just have a particular perspective, then that's going to get me through life. It's more than the power of perspective. This is also not about the power of positive thinking. Because you can think positively all day long and still be what? Wrong. You can think she likes you. You can think she wants to go out with you. You can think she's got the hots for you. You might think that. And you might have the power of positive thinking in your favor to go up to her and ask her out. But just because you think positively does not mean that you're right. She might despise you. She might think you stink. And you're the last one she wants to have anything to do with. So it's not about the power of perspective of seeing things a particular way. And it's not about the power of positive thinking. Here's what David is going to say that I believe is a key in helping us to take on our Goliath. Not the power of perspective and not the power of positive thinking. But it's the power of seeing things as they really are. It's the power of seeing things as they really are. The power of seeing things as they really are. It is a right assessment of what is true. And this is what David says in verse 26. I love this. It almost be like David saying, Okay guys, do you really know your enemy here? You really understand who's coming at you? David says, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Who are you fighting? What's your Goliath? What's the greatest giant in your life? Do you really know what or who he is? These guys are running away afraid. They're scared. They won't take him on. David says, hey, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? First of all, he understood his enemy's place in regards to God. What is your Goliath? What's your biggest giant? What is your greatest fear today? Have you properly considered its place in regard to to your God? To be uncircumcised means to be not of the Lord's people. Historically, the Philistines had been the enemies of Israel. But years ago, prior, even from the lineage of of Canaan and Ham, the descendants of Noah, the Philistines were not a people of God. In fact, you're going to see later in this story that when Goliath came, Curses David, he curses him in the names of his gods, his false gods. Those will be identified later in the text. He curses him in the name of his false gods. They're not of the people of the Lord. To be circumcised means to have the mark. Of God upon you. A mark of faith that goes back to Abraham. And guess what? If you are in Christ Jesus today. You have the mark of God upon you. You've had your heart circumcised. Your heart's been changed. You're a new creature in Christ. To have the hand of God upon your life. To be born again as a believer. Means that you've received a circumcision of your heart. He's given you a new heart. He's made you new. He's forgiven you. He's completed you. He calls you righteous. He calls you holy. He calls you his own. If you're in Christ today, you have received the mark of God upon your life, and it is a mark of a changed heart. If you have not been circumcised of heart, you're not of God. If you've yet to be born again of his spirit, you're not of the Lord. You might acknowledge God, you might believe in God. You might even believe facts about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But until it becomes personal to you and you repent and you come to him in faith and say, Lord Jesus, take my life, unless that has happened, you're an uncircumcised Philistine. And there's nothing more that God wants to do in your life than bring you into his camp and into his life when you accept Christ, it's not just about Jesus coming into your heart. But you're placed into his. And you're in Christ. This uncircumcised Philistine is not of the Lord. David acknowledges that. And I'm sure the men of Saul in Israel have have maybe haven't thought about that in days. What is the true, the reality of? Of this Goliath. And then he says something next. That is tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. This is all about the power of seeing things as they really are. Listen to what he says next. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the who? The armies of the living God. David sees beyond the army of Saul. And he sees that this army that is standing there afraid is the army of the Lord. It's almost like David saying, hey, listen, guys. He's not taunting you. He's taunting your God. You see, the one that could come out onto the battlefield and take on Goliath wasn't even david but it was the god of david It was the god of david and david has this tremendous understanding of reality he's not taunting you the armies of saul he's taunting the armies of the living god this is not y'all's fight to fight This is your God's fight to fight. And gosh, I can remember a day and time in in my life when I had a tremendous Goliath that needed to go down. When I was in my early twenties, I struggled with so many things in my life. I struggled with insecurities. I struggle with jealousy. You guys don't ever struggle with anything like that, do you? Struggle with anger. I can remember one night, I really just felt like my anger was just like destroying the relationships around me. And I've been fighting and battling this Goliath, and and I just couldn't figure this Goliath out, this giant in my life. Emily can tell you, she remembers the day. She remembers the night. She remembers the time because she saw the change in me that happened after that night. I fell on my knees in my apartment in Murray. And I said, Lord Jesus, I cannot fight this fight anymore. This anger issue, this Goliath is killing me and it's killing the relationships around me. I give up.
1: I cannot
0: fight this anymore because I am not strong enough. I said, God, if this battle is going to be conquered, you have to do it. But here I am on my knees and I am submitting myself. I am submitting this area of my life to your lordship. And I believe That you can deliver me from this because you're my only hope. And I am not kidding you. I am not kidding you. A disposition came over me that very night. I felt different. There was something that clicked inside of me. And from that point and on, other people could tell me in my life, they could say, "Oh, I see a noticeable difference in you. The way you deal with things and how you react and you don't seem to be so jealous and so angry and I wasn't so protective. I I didn't want her to get out of eyesight from me. But she was living in bondage to my Goliath. But that night, God moved over my heart. And he delivered me. I still struggle in these areas at times in my life. But I remember acknowledging the fact that my fight was not my fight to fight anymore. That I had to let God start fighting the fight for me. David sees the Goliath in the valley of Elah. He hears the taunts and he says to the men, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt your army? No, it's not what he said. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? This is God's fight. But David understood that God was going to do it through him. The people answered in accord with his word, saying, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Now, Eli, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. Eli's anger burned against David, and he said, Why have you come down, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you've come down to, in order to see the battle, you just came to watch. You just want to show up and watch a good fight, but you don't want to be a part of it. And that's part of the reality of getting us from here to there. That is understanding that to go through The valley of Elah to the other side. We have to go through the Goliath. We have to go through the giant. We're not there just to watch. As if God's not going to do it through us. We're there to be a part. As God does it through us. David said. What have I done now? Was it not just a question? Oh my goodness, the power of seeing things as they really are. I just asked a question. Then he turned away from him to another and said the same thing. The people answered the same thing as before. When the words which David spoke were heard, they told them to Saul, and he sent for him, and then... This is where the excitement starts to happen. It's in this last part. And this is where you come into play. David said. Let no man's heart fail. On account of him. Your servant. Your servant. Your servant. Will go. And fight with this Philistine. And that's the turning point. Because from that point on. David would no longer be a spectator. In his battle with Goliath. No longer would Goliath or the battle be doing to him. But now with God's help. He's going to be taking the fight to the fighter. And at some point in time, you have to stand here. You have to embrace your Goliath. You have to own the battle in front of you. You have to submit to God's strength to do through you what you cannot do for yourself. But just like Isaiah, who was standing there and he heard the voice of the Lord, and the voice said, who will I send and who will I go? And Isaiah said, what? Here, listen to me, folks. Here am I, send me. And David knew that there was a picture unfolded much bigger than himself. So at some point in time, for you to take on your Goliath, you're going to have to stand there. And you're going to have to say, here I am, send me, Lord. Your servant is going to go. Why? Because when I get in the middle of it, you're going to be the one doing fighting. And don't you know that David, to be able to be at that place, had to have a tremendous sense of peace and rest. And he had to have a resolve. You know, Lord, just this is yours. It's going to be okay. You know why? Because you're bigger than any Goliath that will ever come against you. There's a passage of Scripture in Colossians chapter 1 that I think is really appropriate. It says that you, we have been rescued. You have been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred. And he's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I want you to listen to that. You have been rescued. We have been rescued. If you're in Christ, we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness. And here's the thing. When you go into that fight, you don't do it from a platform of defeat. You do it from a platform of victory. From victory. How can I face tomorrow? How can I face this Goliath? Because Jesus is risen from the dead. And his life will fight through me. This morning, our hearts are preparing for Resurrection Sunday, for Easter. It's going to be in April, a little bit later this year. We don't have to worry about Tater Day this year. Spring break. We believe that God is going to bring a tremendous number of people our way so that we can minister grace and truth to them. In fact, our leadership has been praying for about six weeks now and talking, even since we moved into our building here. And we just really believe in our hearts that God is saying to us that for Easter Sunday, we're not going to be able to hold in this worship area the folks who God wants to bring here. So on Easter Sunday, and I want you to see this, on Easter Sunday, we are going to provide for our church family and for our community, we're going to provide two worship services that morning. The first service is going to take place at 9.15. The second one is going to be at 10.40. We want to encourage you to reach out into your community, to your friends, to your family. Let them know there will be room there. You won't have to worry about sitting in the aisleway, sitting around the walls and being congested. We're going to make room. We're going to do whatever it takes to minister to the people God's going to send our way. But here's what we're doing, church family, and this is where we need your support. Easter and beyond, we believe God is leading us to take that another step. We have been over 80% full in our auditorium since we moved into the new building. Andrew Long, the safety and security team, they count numbers, parking lot every Sunday morning. We're 80% full in parking. We need to start three to four new Sunday school classes for adults right now, but we don't have the room for them. I believe that God is going to raise up three to four new adult Sunday school teachers. We're also going to need to bring more children's teachers and youth teachers. But we don't have the room to do that. We have a Goliath. Listen to me, church family. We have a Goliath. The Goliath is the kingdom of darkness in our region, in our community. And we believe that God has called us as a church to share and to express the pure gospel of grace in Jesus Christ, which is Jesus plus nothing. That is our big challenge. It's the mission that's in front of us. We also have a very large financial Goliath as well. In order for us to expand and to grow and to do what God, we feel God is leading us to do in the future. We are going to have to address the giving and the financial aspect of what it means to support ministry in our church. In order for us to take on these Goliaths, We believe that God is very well possibly leading us to do what is next. And that is beyond Easter. To continue to have two services through which we'll minister to people. But also to be able to provide multiple times for connect classes and Sunday school. And I'm going to promise you what's going to be different about this than anything we've ever done before. There are going to be two identical services and some of you have said, you know, Brother Allen, I remember a time where I would be in this one service and people would be in another service. And I'd go out to Walmart and people would say, well, I missed you at church this past Sunday. I was there. I was just at the other service. We're eliminating that. Because the way that we can structure our Sunday school classes to give us more room for classes and our worship time is that they'll be happening simultaneous, simultaneously. And so when we come together, and we cross each other in the gathering area. We visit We fellowship, we share, and we connect in the gathering area. So whether you're in Sunday school during worship or you're in worship during Sunday school, during those transition times of 20 minutes that we're trying to plan, you'll be able to see each other and love on each other and connect. So you say, I saw you in the gathering area yesterday. We had a cup of coffee together. But here's the thing. For us to go deeper. Put our roots deeper deeper and broaden the base of ministry and support here. We have to be able to expand and grow the opportunity. So I believe right now, I believe right now, God right now is saying to some of you, you've got the gift to teach. You've got the gift to teach. You got the gift to teach. We're going to provide you an opportunity at one of these hours so that you can use your gift to teach. Whether it's adults, whether it's children. When you invite people, we got a place for you. We're making room for you. So Easter is our time to test things. It's our pilot. And we're just prayerfully looking at what God could do beyond Easter. Please share with us, talk with us. But most importantly, you figure out how God can lead you to serve, to connect, to give, to give more, to serve more. It's going to take us all coming together as a church family to take on this Goliath of our mission, our ministry, and what's before us in the future, financially, the Goliaths that need to fall. So I want to ask you this morning to stand with us, if you would. And Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church sermon podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.